Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh, good morning and welcome to the Capital District's Money and Investment Program. You're listening to the Fagan Finance Report. I'm Dennis Fagan. Sitting here with my son Aaron, as we do every Sunday, right here from 10 to 11, right here on New Gate 10 at 1031 WGY. If you want to join in the conversation, please feel free to do so at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's one 800 And I will get you right in the air. Choppy market continues. We'll talk a bit about that. Inflation. Uh, also, like a little bit of a kind of a panic buying of liquefied natural gas and and coal in China and lines in Europe. So we'll talk a little bit about that, what that means for inflation. Labor market cooling off from non-farm payrolls. The beat goes on with the stock market as we're quite, like I was saying, just a minute ago in this trading range. Bull sentiments low. What does that mean? So we'll take the first half hour and talk about that. And as we've been trying to do in the second half hour, we broaden out the conversation and talk more about the, the broader aspects of investing. Uh, so pr- review preview in the first half hour, second half hour, uh, something a little more uh, broad to help you with your with your with your investing. But first and foremost, good morning, Air. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing well. I can't complain. I can't complain at all. You know, it's yeah, a beautiful day. Um, it's beautiful gonna be a nice day. day. Nine thirty game on, so hopefully nothing nothing uh, poor happens. Um, you know, during this because we I know Zach's probably watching the nine thirty uh, London game right now. Who's playing that game, Aaron? Do you know? It's Atlanta and somebody. I'm not Atlanta, sure. Atlanta, Atlanta and the Jets. And the Jets, oh, the Jets, oh yeah. Yeah, Doug on on Friday, who uh, hosts the show on Friday, is is on GY is is a big Atlanta fan, so he's probably up and watching that game. But anyways, let's get right to yeah, it. Let's nice get right have. to this. Yeah. Um, so the market closed up for the week. So here's here's the thing, though. As we've seen over the past three or four months, we seem trapped in this trading range, uh, caught on one side, you know, supported uh, from going markedly lower by uh, a good economy, strong earnings, uh, but then mm-hmm. restricted really from going from the upside on valuation. Lack of alternative also supports the downside a bit. But you know, now with the earnings coming, maybe we'll see a little bit of reprieve. You have earnings and you also have um, really getting into a better seasonal period for the market that could lead us that could lead us to the upside. So right now, probably not a lot of downside, probably more tendency to move to the upside. But there's still some things out there that, that I think, you know, probably keep us in, in despite the bias to the upside, I'm not breaking out in any real meaningful way from these levels. So kind of like a business as yeah. usual or business mm-hmm. as we've seen in the past. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, what we're what we're going to see is, you know, I'm really curious for this earnings season to see what large, the larger technology companies and just larger companies in general, Target, Walmart, companies with a lot of buying power, I'm really curious to see what they have to say about the supply chain. I know small and mid-cap are going to have issues with the supply chain as they don't have the buying power that larger companies do, but I'm really interested to see and listen to these earnings calls 
um, to see, you know, what, what a lot of these um, executives have to say about, um, you know, the whole supply chain and, and what's going on with logistics right now in the world. Right. And also, I think what's interesting about that is that we'll get a, a taste this week toward the latter part of the week uh, with some of the banks. So earlier on in the week, we might get yeah. uh, some news regarding open the opening up of the Delta Airlines reports earnings. And then, for the listeners who aren't that familiar with the mechanisms of the market, uh, banks are usually some of the first to report as earnings season comes out. In earnings season, uh, companies you know, have their calendar quarter. Most companies have a, a report on a calendar quarter basis rather than a fiscal or calendar year basis rather than a fiscal year basis. And then they break that fiscal year or, excuse me, calendar year down into quarters, the reporting period. So your heavy reporting periods are January, April. July and October, and quarter ended at the end of September. Companies are getting their their uh, all their financial statements together, the documents together, submitted them to the to the government, and and they'll start to report earnings. And usually, the first to come out of the gate are are the banks. And then we have Bank of America this week. We have BlackRock. We have J.P. Morgan Chase. We have Wells Fargo. We have Morgan Stanley. We have Citigroup. We have U.S. Bank Corp. And we have PNC Financial, Schwab, Goldman Sachs. Those will all be out this week. We also have some others, like I was saying just a minute ago, Delta Airlines. How's the reopening going? Europe is reopening to the U.S. Uh, probably not going to see much there, just given the fact that it's just been a recent event. Taiwan Semiconductor, what's the chip shortage like? United Health uh, is also coming out. Domino's Pizza, is there a slowdown really in online ordering there? So, so, excuse me, by the end of this week, we should have a decent feel. Well, not a decent feel. It's still going to be really early, but, but a little bit of a glimpse into what this earnings season would be like, is going to be like. Yeah. And like I was saying, I think we'd have that support to the downside from good earnings, and we'll see where we take it from there. But, but you know, there's just a lot of conflicting currents really right now in the market. But we'll see. We'll have, why, don't you, why don't you bring us through the market, Eric, if you don't mind? Yeah, you know, I think it's what we're going to see like this, you know, for the- for the, for the foreseeable future, really, is, you know, I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of volatility in the market. And maybe the volatility turns into, you know, maybe not the market not moving too much on in specific weeks. Yeah, specific days, we might have some big market, big market movements. As, you know, Tuesday, the market was down 569. Thursday was down 546, you know, but, but we were kind of flat for the week in, in most major indices. Um, you know, barring the, the, the Dow was up 1.22%, still up 13.53% for the year, about 2.5% from its record highs. S&P was only up 34, closed at 4,391, up about 0.8%, still up about 17% for the year, um, 3.2% from its all-time highs. NASDAQ was up 1,284 um, to close at 14,579, up uh, about 0.09%, up 13.12% for the year, Still, still about five and a five point one seven percent from its record highs. Total market up two ninety three to close at forty five thousand five twenty six, up point six five percent for the week, up sixteen percent for the year, um three point three two percent from all time highs. Russell was the only major indice down. It was down eight point five four, which translates to point three eight percent, up thirteen percent for the year, about five and a five point four percent from all time highs. Utilities up 1.36%, up 2.32% for the year, um, about 8% from all-time highs. Transport's also about 8% from all-time highs, 
but were up 2.73% for the week and up 17% year-to-date. So those are just some numbers that kind of, you know, really stick out. All major indices, um, Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, U.S. total market, Russell 2000, all up. You know, Dow's up 26% from um, Election Day close, but S&P, NASDAQ, U.S. total market, Russell all up at least 30% from the Election Day close. So, you know, I think those are numbers that are kind that kind of stick out to me right now. You know, going on to our other pages, um, you know, you can see, yeah, just trying, you know, yeah, Bears were down this week, um, you know, 40.7% were Bears October 1st, now only 36.8% Bears, 37.7% um, neutral. Those are kind of some things that kind of stick out to me. 10-year um, Treasury ticked up quite precipitously of about 10 basis, you know, 13 basis points to go from 1.48% to 1.61%. So that's a pretty major move if you think about it. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like it, but it is uh, pretty um, – Pretty drastic. Yeah, and I, and I think as we as you talk about the market, you've, you've kind of stolen whatever thunder I had left, um, which is you know bullish sentiment has declined from thirty nine percent a month or so ago to twenty five percent this past Friday. Generally speaking, or historically speaking, uh, bullish sentiment is a contrarian indicator, which means that as bullish sentiment goes down. The market tends to do better because because less people are optimistic, and, and that would imply that they've raised a little cash, maybe sold some stocks, gotten a little more defensive. Uh, if if, you, if you're bearish, bearish sentiment has gone from 27 percent of respondents in the American Association of Individual Investors to 37 percent. So neutral stays relatively constant, and it has in this manner. So bullish sentiment has dropped, you know. About 35%. A bearish sentiment has yeah. risen about 40%. And generally speaking, that provides support for the market. Although I will say that uh, you also mentioned the, the two big bugaboos, really, I think, for the market right now are the rise in yields. And you mentioned the 10 year note moving from 1.48% to 1.61%. You also have the yield on the two-year move from 0.27 to 0.32, and you think, what's the big deal there? And absolutely, it is no big deal. 0.27 to 0.32 is five one-hundredths of 1%, but if you look at it as a percentage of the 0.27, it's an 18% move in the two-year note, in the yield on a two-year note up. You also have what I think is, 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 is important as well, because what's going to happen to the funding of our debt? Uh, at some point in time could become an issue. And again, not not right now, not even the remotest, but you have the German 10-year note, which was at the end of last year, negative 0.57%. It's now negative 0.15. It was a negative 0.22 a week ago. The Italians moved from 0.82 to 0.88. The Spanish has moved from 0.42 to 0.49. The Japanese from 0.055% to 0.008%. The UK, about a percent to 1.16%. So we're beginning to see... Uh, some of these higher rates, not only in the U.S., but filter through some of the foreign sovereigns as well. And we'll see where that takes us. You know, you look at these, and, and then we look historically and say, okay, how do different sectors do during rising interest rates? And, yeah, commodities, uh, that's the whole mantra right now is commodities will do better, uh, natural gas, uh, oil. And I do believe that's the case. I think they're going to get better and better. And I think more of it's a demand thing. 
supply-demand equation than it is rising interest rates. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah. I, I think I think you can still have that barbell approach, and we will talk a lot about that in the second half of the show when we broaden out, you know, how to invest your money, both barbell and you know uh, large and small cap value and growth, but domestic, international. Like so, as we as we like I said, broaden out the scope of the show, uh, trying to move from review preview in the first half hour to something broader in the second half hour. That's that's the, that's how we'll be doing it from this point on. And I do think that the bottom line is is that. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Interest rates are going to gradually trend higher, and that's going to be caused by disruption, dis- dislocation in the labor market, and it's going to be caused by this uh, this supply-demand equation with uh, with energy costs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. You know, and I still think, with me. You know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still with you. You know, and I think that's kind of what you have to make sure you don't do is the market rarely does the same thing twice. Um, we saw interest rates go up pretty precipitously um, a few months ago, um, and, you know, growth stocks got hurt. You know, I wouldn't necessarily think, hey, it, you know, the 10-year note goes to, you know, 1.7, let's say 1.7, 1.8%. You know, I don't necessarily think that's going to hurt growth stocks like it did in the past. Um, as we've as as you've been saying for for a long time, it's about it's the it's the speed at which these interest rates rise, not the actual um, number, uh, not not actually the, the 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 interest rate. You know, the interest yeah, rate does matter, obviously, but you know, if we stay in the the high ones, um, you know, I I, I I still think that um that that growth stocks are a pretty good um bet, bet there. Well, I, I think too. I mean, if you look at you know the late. 1990s, uh, technology stocks led the way. When you, when you look at the NASDAQ from the last four years of the 1990s, it was up 22%, 21%, 40%, and 85% in 1999 is represented by the NASDAQ composite. Uh, and then you look at, okay, what was, what was the federal funds rate back then? And the federal funds rate is basically the rate that the Fed sets that banks can charge each other to borrow reserves, to, bar- to borrow uh, and lend reserves. So Mm-hmm. higher interest rates, it's been said, that are negative for tech stocks. And yet, if you look at the, the federal funds rate back in uh, the year, let's say the end of 1994, the rate was about 5.35% on the federal funds rate. You know, now it's, it's at zero or zero to a quarter percent. So what you have is, uh, even if interest rates were to go up, yeah, I think there will be some stuttering in the growth stocks versus the value. But I think at some point in time, and you mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago, as long as the pace of that rate increase is is moderate, and as long as it's accompanied by economic growth, I think that's that's the other kind of concern right now is that will interest rate increases or will inflation be accompanied by substantial economic growth? And one of the things that I did want to mention uh, during this half hour is that, hey, non-farm payrolls came out, not the government's the consensus, economists, economic consensus was for about 500,000 jobs, and there were only about 194,000 jobs created. So despite the fact that 
uh, unemployment went down. The, the headline number, which is what you'll, you'll see, unemployment went from 4.8% from 5.2%. A lot of it's due to the fact that the labor force contracted by 183,000 uh, potential employees during the month of September. Uh, so we only created 194,000 jobs. And, and, that's, that's in, and that's the second month in a row that that estimate, the consensus estimate was far above the actual numbers. Payroll numbers for August were revised upward to 366 from 235, but that's still far below the half yeah. a million or so that we're expecting uh, over the next uh, on a monthly basis. So that's somewhat of a cause for concern. Yeah. We don't want higher inflation with a stagnating economy because then you get kind of a form of uh, stagflation. I don't want to. I don't want to say that word with capital letters because I don't think we're there. But you get some sort of a, you know, not robust growth in the economy with some inflation. So you get, you know, again, not stagflation with capital letters, but you know, a little bit of, a little bit of issue for the economy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's you know well put. I, I, you know, I wish I had some more to say. Um, right. What do you think on about top it? of that? So but yeah, well, that's good though, I guess. Now, what do you think about these Chinese stocks? Uh, we had Alibaba, and I was looking at our transaction sheet for Alibaba this year for 2020. Well, we own some Alibaba. You know, it's kind of like the Amazon of China, if you want to call that. And and. A lot of the larger companies in China have been under pressure from the Chinese government, just trying to rein them in, and, and uh, you know, especially about yeah. the privacy of data and the like. And then I think Alibaba is, is, is kind of like the poster child for this. We sold our last big block of Alibaba uh, on May 11th at 216 bucks a share. You know, Alibaba closed Friday at about 161 or 162 a share. Um, is it worst over for these Chinese companies? Or I know Kramer is basically saying, "Hey, you know, stay away just because of the government." Or uh, how? How? What, what's your take on this whole thing? You know, I kind of agree with that right now. You know, do I think there's a lot of valuable companies in China? Yeah, but I mean, you know, when when you invest and you and you value companies, you know, you, you, I try and stay away from trying to value companies when you can just wake up tomorrow and something else can happen that you can't evaluate. You know, so you have a lot of political and government risk in China, obviously, as we've been seeing, and you just don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, I think I'd, you know, maybe if I, you know, if you had a 401k, you put 5% of your money in emerging markets. Um, I mean, I think I'd rather go on ETF as, you know, the emerging market ETFs can be a little bit more commodity based as well, um, but you know it's it's hard to to step into China even though I think there's some obviously great companies there and some great technologies, but you just never know what's going to happen. You never know if you're going to wake up to, you know, you know out, they outlawed Bitcoin or crypto mining. You know they have um, they, they they've done a lot of things that um, you know are, are just kind of. Uh, Sketchy, I guess is the best right. word to say. So, I think I'd stick away from company-specific um, company having an equity or you know a stock in your portfolio, a Chinese stock. But you know, I still think there's some great companies out there. I just don't think that right now is the time to to step in. Um, we do own some Neo, and I still really like Neo as a company. 
Um, you know, and uh, you know, we, we have these stocks that we always say, you know, we have one percenters. It's one percent of people's portfolios that gets cut in half. You lose 0.5 percent of your portfolio um, of your of your performance. So I think that's what you do. You, you know, you kind of dip your toes in the water in some companies that you actually like. Um, but at the but you know, yeah, I think I'd st- stay away from, uh, I guess, com- companies in China. But at, at the same time, I think I'm going to be wrong about this. <laughs> You know, I think there's right, I right. think there's a lot of Chinese companies that are undervalued right now, and I think I am going to be wrong. I just don't think it's worth it. Well, I think you were saying I don't that. think like it's worth the headache in investing right now. You know, we have the Schwab Emerging Market yeah. Fund. We have a piece of that. And generally speaking, you know, the the whole question now I think is that that are we going to transition from growth to value, and are we going to investors going to reap the benefits of international investing? Those are the two big. I think questions for investors and, and questions for people like us who invest money for other people, which is, you know, what are the next two, three, or four years going to be like? Uh, is it going to be a value-driven environment or growth? And we're, we're, we're leaning to the growth side still. And is it going to be domestic or international? And I would think right now I'm kind of uh, torn between that. Uh, I think our markets are richly valued. I think we have the greatest companies in the world. And I think the market capitalization of those companies reflect that sentiment of mine. Uh, and yet I do yeah. think that emerging, excuse me, international markets have under underperformed uh, U.S. by about 50% over the past decade. I also think uh, there's going to be some playing catch up there. But you, you got to be careful of emerging markets because uh, – Emerging markets, the the labor, the labor component, the percentage of the percentage that emerging markets production is attributed to labor in the United States is 60 percent. Emerging markets are much higher. So if that input cost of labor goes up, it's going to cut profits in a lot of emerging markets. You know, despite the fact that there are lots of commodity-driven economies. So you know, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But I, I think what I'm kind of saying in a roundabout and very laborious way is, you know, let's, you know, just keep our diversification and make sure that we, uh, I agree. I think I would just be a little bit careful of emerging markets and China at this point, but I, I think you're right. I think that uh, Charlie Munger just dipped his toe into Alibaba, the, the uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett's partner, and and, uh, and we'll see. But I, I, you just don't need to wake up to an issue. Yeah, and I, no, and that's another thing, too, is, you know, I think the emerging markets make me nervous as, you know, I think... Vietnam has about 15% vaccination rate. So, you know, that could also disrupt the, the, the supply chain as, you know, a lot of things are made in Vietnam. I know Malaysia is even less than that. Um, so I think that that's another issue that you could see arise from emerging markets, too, is, you know, maybe like uh, another rise in uh, maybe COVID cases that could, again, you know, as you were saying, they're um, very labor-intensive um, driven. So I think, you know, you, you, that's another thing you have to worry about with um, emerging markets. Uh, yeah, yeah, another, um, I guess, um, episode of, of COVID that would, again, hurt the supply chain. Right. And so, so as, we, as we kind of move in, and I think, the, the, you know, the, the best way, in, in my opinion, to play uh, the market right now, not play the market, but invest, and this is what we're doing, is keep a balanced portfolio, Little outweigh growth versus value, despite the weakness lately. They'll be short on the yield curve because interest rates will probably continue to move up a little bit. Be careful of emerging markets. Yeah. And I think you got to, from the value side, I think we continue to like financials, and we'll see this week if we're right. You know. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, 
So I'll just about do it for the first half hour of the Capital District's Money and Investment Program. It's 1030 on the station you depend upon for news, weather, and information. News Talk 810 and 1031 WGY. Good morning and welcome back to the second half hour of the Capital District's Money and Investment Program. You're listening to the Fagan Financial Report. I'm Dennis Fagan sitting here with my son Aaron as we do every Sunday from 10 to 11. And for those regular listeners know that during the first half hour of the show, uh, we touch on the week in the market, you know, what propelled it one way or the other. And then the second half hour, we, we touch on more broader topics, more uh, investing, retirement planning, social security, behavioral types of uh, issues that that uh, quotes from from uh, economists, market leaders, and our take on them, and all those things that might invest, you know how you or excuse me might affect, you know how you plan for retirement, how you invest, and how you respond to news. So this is the second half hour, and uh, let's get right at it, Eric. If, yeah. if, you, if you don't mind, you know I don't. Uh, we had no volatility, no five percent correction for quite some time. And over the past week, we had that 5% correction. Uh, NASDAQ down about 7 or 8%. Dow uh, over 5. S&P 500 over 6. So as an investor, that volatility tends to, you respond to that volatility typically in, in a negative fashion. But I really don't see the little bit of inflation that is permeating into the economy some some more secular than others, a lot of it transitory, really negatively impacting the longer term prospects for the market at this point. You know, yeah. I I don't think a one one and a half percent ten year is anything really to get that nervous about. Uh, and, but but to, you always uh, talk about that. I don't mean to cut you off, but you uh, always talk about the pace, the of pace the rise. of the pace of the rise. Exactly, and that's what gets people worried. I, yeah. Historically, if they are going to get worried, well, it's like rain. You know, if if it's if it if it sprinkles out for you know ten straight hours, it's a big difference from that between a deluge. Yeah, you know, it could mm-hmm. it could rain hard for an hour and you see flooding. It could sprinkle all day, and and uh, and you don't see flooding. I think the big thing about rising interest rates: the quicker they rise, the more people wonder when it's going to come to an end. The the the, the terminal rate. The terminal rate is defined as the highest rate during this cycle that the terminal amount of rain you have mm-hmm. in, in, in whatever it might be an inch and a half this or that so the more it rains the, the higher the higher that you get interest rates the quicker they go from one and a quarter to one and a half the more people think hey they're going to go a lot higher that terminal yeah. rate in mm-hmm. people's minds go up. so i don't think we're seeing that a lot i think we're seeing a, a, a natural ratcheting up in interest rates as the economy begins to to strengthen and and that natural rise has caused some volatility. So my question for you really is, do you think that this growth versus value thing is, how, how do you think this is going to play out, that, that tug of war? Yeah, and this is not, we talk about this in broader terms all the time, but we don't talk about it, we have not talked about it for this show. Yeah. How do you think it plays out? I think it's. I think you have a classic barbell approach. You know, I think we continue to to say that we've said that the past couple of shows, because I think both companies, both I guess growth and growth and value, can do well over time. You know, I think there's a lot of value companies that are still undervalued. I think there's a, and there's a lot of growth companies that are kind of just. You know, someone said on CNBC, I think sideways is the new down. So I think growth companies are kind of just biding their time to grow again. And I still think that growth is the way to go over the next three to five years. I do too, because I think 
But there's some second, I think, and pardon the inside baseball financial language, but you know, there's some there's some secular value companies that I think we're looking toward for growth. Meaning that if you look at like yeah. like financials, I think are, are and they can fall on both sides of the equation. I think if you look at a financial, you're saying okay. And for for those of you out there, we like financials. The XLF is a, is a very good ETF that you can get into. It's a Spider Financial or the KRE, which is a regional bank ETF. I would recommend those on the individual side. On the value side of the financial ledger, I would use like uh, Bank of America, Citigroup, yeah. J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. On the growth side, we own PayPal. Yeah, PayPal, Mastercard, Visa. You know, Arc fin- Financial Services, which ARKF. has a Square, a Square involved in it. Things like that. PayPal, PayPal again. You know, yeah. so I think yeah, that's I think that's the way to play. You know, the growth value side, especially in the banking sector, financial sector. I do too. And I, I, also on the value side, and and and, and this is this is a clue for investors how we invest those non clients that are listening that are, aren't fortunate enough yeah. to be our clients. Would you say that? that yeah, right. that's very accurate. GM. Yeah, I think we own GM, GM yeah. and Tesla. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't own much Tesla. We own a little bit of Tesla, but I think you know we've gotten into GM for that same reason. I think where we we have made mistakes in the past, in my opinion, I think it's a side that's the turnaround value side. Uh, yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, like value the, traps, value traps, and I, yes, and I think it's it's so hard because um, you just can, you you always think that these companies are going to turn it around. You're going to turn it around, but you know a lot of them, it's like turning around the Titanic. Like, I think, like, look at GE right now. You know what I mean? Imagine turning around a business that has, you know, 10 major sectors, um, within business sectors within their business. So, you know, I think it's easy to get trapped in, you know, oh, it's only trading at X times earnings. But, you know, PE is only one of the equations to some a stock being cheap, in my opinion. I and agree. valuable. Because it can stay cheap for quite some time. Yeah. And I think I think you learn about uh, the other side of that equation is uh, Amazon. Like an Amazon can stay expensive, yeah, for quite yeah. some period of time. Uh, the other thing, so so here, so if you if you were to skew this barbell approach that you mentioned earlier, and, and for the for the listeners out there, there's lots of different barbells that you can use. You know, when you think of barbell, you think of value versus growth. You think of and barbell suggests you know in, in your mind you know weights weight on one side and weight on another. So the you have two choices and that choice has to total a hundred but we look at a barbell and more like an asset allocation where there's several different choices mm-hmm. so you can yeah. add you know small mid cap and large cap how do you barbell those so so but one of the things that we were just talking about is value versus growth uh, the other thing is within that and, that and that's the equity side of your barbell the component the other barbell is you know Equities to fixed income. You can have. You can also add international in there. Another barbell. So there's lots of different choices you have to make as an investor. And without confusing the listeners, yeah. because I'm confusing myself, suffice it to say that these are all choices that you make along the way. And 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 one of the choices that we've made a long time ago is is the belief, and it's paid off in spades for our clients. The belief that this this transformational move from the manufacturing economy to a service-oriented economy with technology on that service-oriented. I think I, you told me this one time uh, that, and I remember where we were when we were talking about it. We were, we were away in, in Cape Cod, you and I and uh, Lauren and Mom and, and uh, Todd and Lori, mm-hmm. uh, your father-in-law. Was, and, and soon, 
Soon, soon to be. Soon to be. Yes. And, and, the Todd and, father. And, and the Todd father and current mother-in-law. We were sitting in the car and we were doing the show. And what you said is that there are blinds in hospitals that rise and fall, open and close, relative to the position of the sun. Yeah, all using um, yeah, chips. All using computer yeah. chips. Mm-hmm. So, so the, just the, perme- the, the permeation, if that's a word, of in technology and, and the intelligent use of technology into our society has led us on the growth side of the equation. And like I said, and I think it can, I think it should continue, should continue to be. So, um, I, we, I had a, a meeting with it was resolute managers, but they, um, they have some great funds, but they, it's also the owner of the arc funds. And, you know, it's, it's funny to, to look, you know, that we've kind of demonized Kathy Wood, um, and, you know, you can say she got lucky. Her, her account since 2015, her, her R- ARKK, which is her um, flagship fund, is up 450% versus the S&P, which is up 124. Um, it's down this year about 1%. But, you know, I guess just going on that barbell approach thing, too, I think you also need to bar- barbell things that have potential in the three- to five-year time horizon. I really think how technology is transforming, you really need to be patient with a lot of these companies because, you know, as sideways is the new down, but if you can just bide your time and be patient, I think that, you know, we really are going through a a very transformative um, era in technology. So, you know, yes, these companies have had massive runs up in the past, you know, just don't sell it because it's not going anywhere. You know, you always have to look at the future prospects of something. You know, you get you get people all the time calling. A guy, another guy called this week and said, "Should we sell this because it, it's done so well?" Sometimes it's irrelevant how how well something's doing. You have to look at it from now going forward as opposed to now going back. True, you're buying potential or selling a lack thereof. Yes, yeah, you're not exactly. buying That's yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you're, so you're always buying a potential and selling a lack thereof. A couple things that you said uh, over the past couple minutes. One thing is. Man, you know, would you ever thought we'd be demonizing, not not we, but Wall Street would be demonizing Kathy Wood. And the retail investor is too, a, a bit, um, which I, I find it a bit surprising because, you know, it's it's all about her underperformance, but everyone's comparing her funds to the S&P. I just did. Right. But it, it's it's almost like it, it deserves a place in someone in your portfolio, but no one's ever saying it's supposed to do what the S&P is doing. It doesn't have much correlation to the S&P. It has a place in your portfolio, I think a small place, 5 to 10% of companies like this that you think have a lot of potential to the future, 5, five to 10% of your equity allocation. Um, so, you know, I think, I think you have to, yeah, barbell technologies that you think are going to be around and very influential in the next three to five years um, with growth stocks that are doing well and earning a lot of money now. Well, and you mentioned the word transformative. I mean... If you look at our ARC Genomics Fund, that's a transformative fund. They're investing in transformative uh, uh, securities, companies, ideas. Uh, the ARCF, same thing. You're talking about fintech. You're talking about Shopify. PayPal Square, Shopify, yeah. right. Those are transformative companies. And, and, and they overheat sometimes, and sometimes they don't go right. But I think uh, the other side of that transformative equation, so to speak, are the, are the investors that... Uh, you, we, we get once in a while and they have all shares of, you look in their portfolio and they have AT&T and GE and IBM and because and, they've been told buy and hold forever. So there's, so I think you want to have a, a we, I, and, we, and again, use a barbell with, look, I'm thinking of two choices and there's a lot more choices as I mentioned earlier, but I'm also going to 
make a faux pas, so to speak. You want a, one foot in the past, one foot in the present, yeah. and one foot in the future. Let's say you're a three-legged I think animal. That's, yeah, I think that's very true. It's just so what? You know? how, how would you break that down? One foot in the past. Give me a blue chip company that you like now that you would call a foot in the past. Or, is, or, or I mean, fun. how far is the past? Well, you know? a, a, a company that's been around forever that we own. Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Yeah. Morgan. Yeah, I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are value companies. But yeah, Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Morgan. Companies with giant moats. True. And I, like Johnson & Johnson has, has a huge moat around. Boeing. Uh, Boeing's a good one, right. you know. It hasn't done much, but it has a huge moat. Um, you know, companies like that that you just kind of sit on forever. Uncle Chris loved Diageo. Huge moat. You know, right. things like that are, are some companies that you can base your portfolio around for correlation to the market, you know, and they have... You know, maybe you shouldn't look always look to you know historical metrics for how a company is going to do in the future. But what history does do is shows you companies that are well managed and that are going to be around for a while. In my opinion, they do, and I think the the the, the smaller the moat or the more shallow the moat, and the more transformative the industry, the greater potential for change. And one yeah. one it's example like uh, like Boeing. Very difficult for anybody to get into that industry. Yes. You know, yeah. There's the Boeing, Boeing, and uh, Airbus, and that's kind of the, those are the those mm-hmm. are the big jet manufacturers. Uh, however, you look at a company like Compact Computer, uh, Hewlett Packard's going off the cutting edge, uh, and and giving up the, the 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 mantle, so to speak, or the leadership role to a company like Apple Computer, uh, Dell Computer, yeah. things like that. So the more transformative the industry the more some of these companies come and go. But for a put it, foot in the past, you know, give me a Johnson & Johnson any day. Give, give me that 3% dividend. Yeah. Qualcomm. Give me a Qualcomm. Yeah. Give, me a, you know, give me a JP Morgan. And, 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 and those you can hold on to as long as the story still holds true. But don't think that that can't change. So buy and, buy and hold, in our opinion, has never existed. It's buy and homework. You know, but, but some stocks you, you want to marry, some stocks you want to date. So that foot in the past are a couple of companies like that. Again, the XLF would be good, the financial. Uh, the ARKF would be an example of a company that's a leader of today would be a PayPal. Leader of today would be uh, Google or Square, Alphabet. Square. You know, yeah. These are companies that have proven themselves. You know, yeah, you want, you want companies that are earning money and proving themselves, I think. Even if it's not that much money, they at least can prove that they can earn money. Right. So if, if you have, if, let's say you have $100,000 that you want to put into the stock market, in my opinion... Roughly sixty five percent of that hundred thousand should be in those companies: Mastercard, Visa, Agreed, yeah. Facebook, I'd Apple. Even say seventy, you know, sixty. Yeah, seven, yeah, yeah. Fine, five, yeah, seven, yeah, seven, whatever. Five percent more. Jeez. <laughs> you can say what you want, you know. Whatever yeah, you, you want. You, want you always got to be different than me, don't you? You always got to one up me. So I mean, you want correlation to the market? Is I guess is what you're saying, right? Man, wait, you want some correlation to yeah. the market? You want some, the technologies? Uh, 30% of the S&P 500. So you want some correlation, right? You don't want to wake up in five years and all of a sudden find out you did 0% a year and the market did 10% a year. So you do want correlation. But you also you also don't want to fall in love with the stock and say, we saw people and warned them against it. And if Uncle Chris were still alive, we'd be saying the same thing. Man, you don't want to over... You don't want to, you don't want to have the GE and think it's going to come back. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah. But let's say let's say let's say sixty five or seventy percent in today's winners, uh, today's market leaders. So we'll say twenty to twenty five percent. I think would be. So if you get sixty five percent in today's market winners, then you want to put twenty five percent in in the in the in the in the stalwarts really 
the JP Morgans of the world, then you want to do 10% in, in what you think is going to lead tomorrow. And I think where we haven't really done a great job in two aspects, not in investing money for our clients, but relating that story to some of our clients or, or our clients is, is that, that that 10% A, has to, we have to be more nimble with, and that's where you were talking earlier about the ARC funds, that it may take a while to pay off, and you're also prone to make more mistakes there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in the future, right? And that's what we were, like, I was, you know, again, talking to these people, um, you know, the, the Resolute managers, and they're, you know, they're great guys. Um, one, one of the kids lives in Saratoga, Jay. Jay and, um, but, the, you know, we, we were kind of saying, too, is, you know, do you really want to take your shot at one genomics company? No. How do you know how to, how to, to evaluate a genomics biotechnology company? I don't. You know what I mean? I so you, you try and pick sectors that you think have extreme potential to change the world and change technology, but not take that company-specific risk where something can get cut in half if it doesn't pass phase two trial, you know, or something like that. And I think that's what's great with, for ETFs is going to sectors that are much more volatile and speculative, but you don't have company-specific risk. I couldn't agree more. And, and that, that would be... Um, ARKG, ARKF, yeah. uh, IBB. We just made a big yeah. play in the IBB, the uh, biotech. ETF, biotech yeah. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, ETF. Um, and, and, and the larger the company, the more established the company, the more, the more established the industry, you can take more specific bets. But, but today, the more, like you also look at the, uh, the battery companies. You look at um, the battery sector, so to speak. You look at wind and solar. We, we do own First Solar, but we also own TAN, the... Uh, the solar ETF, uh, symbol T-A-N, just like it sounds. Um, so it, so that 10% of your account, that speculative side, that tomorrow side, not today, not yesterday's winners, that, that ballast to your portfolio, should be in companies and industries, sectors, sectors, first of all, yeah. that, are, uh, that hopefully will, will, will change the world, as you mentioned. All right, so the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about in the second half, again, using the second half of the show from, you know, first half of the show, market review, uh, what happened this week on Wall Street, recapping the market, news that came down, uh, our take on the market, economic data, uh, second half, more broader topics. And we've been talking about, you know, barbelling your portfolio, what that means, uh, how, how to wait the past, the present, and the future yeah. winners, things like that. Uh, take a few minutes and talk about, I had a uh, client call She's retiring next June, and 63 or 64 years old, I can't remember exactly which, and she talked about wanting to get out of the market because she does because she wants to retire in June, and she needs that money to retire. And I said to her, and I'll change her name, Nancy, I said, you know, you're retiring in June, but you're not cashing that thing out, that 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 IRA that you have with us and spending it all. You're going to need this for the rest of your life, and you better be you better know that you could, we could put that all in cash now. Let's say $100,000 in cash now. You retire in June, and then what happens? You know, what are you going to do? You, you can't leave yeah. it at 1%. You're literally losing money putting it in the bank. Even if you get 1%, you're losing money with inflation. Yeah. So but I said, you know, the, the, so the problem with that is, is that, that, that concept of I'm going to retire, I have to, I'm gonna, I, that also kind of dovetails into I want X dollars when I retire. So let's say you retire. Let's say you retired in February of last year, and you had X dollars. Let's say that was a million dollars, and you put seventy percent in the market. The market was down thirty five percent. 
in, 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 in a month with the pandemic. So you would have lost 35% on 70%. You know, you would have lost $245,000. So I, what I would say, to, what I said to her, and what I would say to the, to the listeners out there, is you got to remember that if you're retiring, if you have a 20-year investment time horizon, you're going to have probably five, six, seven bear markets of 20 plus yeah. percent. Yep. You know, and that's it too. It's like, you know, the farther away you are from retirement, the less you should look at your portfolio. Right. You know, because you're bound to, to have these downturns in the market. Right. And it's how you handle those downturns. It's like anything else. It's what happens when you fall? Do you get up? Well, you're bound to fall when you're, in, when you're investing money. You're bound to fall because yeah. you picked the, pick the wrong sectors and make errors or the market is bound to decline from time to time. It, it's, it's part of the process. It's part of the benefit of investing. Otherwise, if it was just a linear move up, you'd be getting what the bank is paying in that 0, 1%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't think you can retire this, like this woman's going to retire in June. I'm going to get out of the market because I want to secure my retirement in June. You need to secure income and some inflationary hedged growth, growth yeah. as an inflationary mm-hmm. hedge over your, over your life expectancy. So those are some things that I think are very important. And also, I think the other thing I, I, I see a lot now are in, in a number of uh, clients, because probably because of the recent volatility, people are financially insecure. They, they, they just, they're insecure nowadays because interest rates are so low. Um, yeah. and, and, and also not a lot of people have defined benefit plans anymore. They have most of their money is, is in 401ks, 403bs, IRAs mm-hmm. and the like, and they're getting that and they're getting sold. Scared. Hey, we don't have a defined benefit plan here at Fagan Associates for our six employees. We have a 401k. We yeah. match. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have profit sharing. Yes. But all the risk of their returns fall on our, our employees. And I think every, everybody out of the and municipal yeah, sector. Most of the yeah. people, a lot of people are in that same boat. They are. If you're not in, if you're not in the public sector, A, or B, you don't have a legacy pension like a GE or an IBM, yeah. you're pretty much on your own. In fact, last recession, not that not this pandemic-induced one, but in 08 and 09, a lot of companies changed from defined benefit plans to defined contribution plans so that they could quantify what they had to put in, yeah. what, the, what, mm-hmm. what their costs were. So that's one thing. I think the other thing, too, is like um, we're not digging ditches. You know, I often yeah. say to Uncle Mike, mm-hmm. he dies from the outside in because he's doing a lot of physical work. Yeah. You know, he, he built our building here. He's doing a lot of rework on our house. He's going to do work on your right house. Uh, we die from the inside out because of the stress. But also, from our perspective, we are, 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 are worth to our clients, as long as we do a good job, continues to grow because we're, we're, we become more valuable in our knowledge and experience. But my point is more... We're, we can be so we can be flexible in what we view as retirement. That's why we tell clients too: be flexible. What you think of retirement as? You know, scale back your work. Don't go cold turkey. Maybe yeah. you can go mm-hmm. back to four days, three days a week, and things like that. And I think that 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 helps people with their financial insecurity. What else are you thinking about? Anything else that? Uh, what about that meeting? Can you can you give us a minute or two no, on that? It's like, you know, it's um. Are they no, bullish? They, are they bullish on their sectors? Are they're they? Very, yeah, they're 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 also long term investors, you know. And I think that yeah, the Arc funds are, are, are have have a long term strategy, um, and I think that's what people. I think people are are just so impatient, and I think COVID had a lot to do with that. I Always so. watching the media, market up. You know, what, what was the S and P up last year? Twenty percent almost. Yeah. 
So, you know, you have the, the S&P up 20%. You know, you have 10 years of a bull market. You have people my age who have never, who didn't really go through 2009 because they were in college. You know, you have people 34 and younger that kind of have never experienced that. So, you know, I think what, what I get out of meetings like this is, yes, they're, they're, they're bullish on the next three to five years vary and the deflationary aspects technology brings. You know, just look at gross margins of some of these new companies, 60 to 80%. That, that's, that's amazing, really. Yeah, yes, it could go down. If interest rates go up, that's obviously not as attractive. But, you know, what, what I get from it is, you know, be patient sometimes. You know, be patient with companies. Um, continue to evaluate companies. And, and, and that's what I, 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 got, I got from it the most, too, is, you know, and, and, and you know, don't think you're, you're smarter than the market, I guess. That's a good point. And, be, and it's hard to be patient when you're challenged with some volatility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyways. And, you know, it's hard when, you know, you have sectors going up, when, when you have sectors flat and the market's going up. It's hard, it's hard to, to be patient. It is. So, Give us a yeah. call during the week, 518-279-1044. Check us on the web at faganasset.com or like us on Facebook. Go Big Blue. Go Big Blue.